Wow. That was terrific. The scripture reading today is from Luke 16, 1 through 15, and this comes from the New International Version. This is the parable of the shrewd manager. Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions, so he called him in and asked him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management, because you cannot be a manager, be be manager any longer. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me in their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked him, asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it 450. Then he asked the second, how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, Take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly, for people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it is gone, you will be welcome into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much, and whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The Pharisees, who loved money, heard all of this and were sneering at Jesus. He said to them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your hearts. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. Thus ends the reading. Good morning, church. Hello to those joining us online as well. We're excited to be in worship with you on this Sunday here. Well, this is going to be the final sermon of the series. Yay, mixed reactions. That's what I thought. That's all right. Some of you are like, no, let's keep going forever. There actually are some more parables than we ever got to do all of them, but we did a big, healthy chunk of them uh, here today, but we'll be moving on to new things uh, starting next week. Do want to mention too, of course, um, I want to make sure this was uh, heard today that we do have uh, the denominational decisions that are upcoming. Uh, we are going to be having today right after service. Uh, so those online, it will be not ready for you live stream per se, like right now per se, but it will be available later tonight to watch, I believe. 
And so we want to uh, let you know that uh, tonight you'll be able to see that. We are going to be having after service. Uh, first of all, everybody's invited to come down for some lunch because it's going to take some time to do our presentation here today. And so we're going to go down, have some lunch. There's some sandwiches that a bunch of the women of the faith, uh, women, Lily of Faith Circle, it is, of women of the church made for us. Woohoo! And so we're excited about that. And a bunch of tables, have some fellowship time, eat together. And then uh, we'll be coming up after service. Uh, we'll call everybody up and we'll have our presentation at that time. Uh, it will be a presentation again on just kind of uh, getting us up to speed on what's going on in the Methodist Church, why is this decision before us, what's been happening, what are kind of the decisions, what are some of the impacts of those decisions, and different things like that. It will be presented by our lay leader, one of our lay leaders, that is, that Jeff Myers will be presenting. You also see in your bulletin that we have some other upcoming meetings that we'll be having from different speakers and different sides of different uh, p uh, places of this debate and what's been going on, and so know that uh, you can look in the bulletin and find all that uh, information there as well. But as we're here today, uh, let's pray together. Lord, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of all of our hearts, be pleasing in your sight. Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, there are parables and then there are parables. And you probably maybe thought if you were reading here today that we ended on kind of an odd little parable to, to end on. But I want to do this on purpose because it is a parable that really takes uh, its importance from the setting of what's going on. And what I mean by that is always when Jesus is teaching with these parables, there are people surrounding him. And what oftentimes maybe I lose track of when this parable happens is the setting of when this parable takes place. So what I mean by that is you have to look at when Jesus started teaching. He didn't just start teaching with this parable. His teaching and sitting down with the people has been going on for just a little bit. And actually you have to go back to the very beginning of 15 and just hear these words and picture the setting. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And so you got this group of people that are longing to hear this news. Jesus wants to learn from Jesus, and they're the outcast of society. They're doing all sorts of jobs that are either unclean or just downright, you know, against God's people or are basically working for Rome and, you know, selling out God's people or doing all sorts of different things. And they're the untouchable, they're the sinners, they're the people that the Pharisees look at and go, we don't even eat at your table because you're unclean and even just being in your presence was like defy, defile us to be holy before God. And so they were people that truly, they just were water and oil, did not come together and would separate. And Jesus is here teaching and not only are the people interested in hearing them that are the outcasts and the sinners, and, and Jesus is welcoming them to come here, but the Pharisees are there, and they're basically listening to Jesus, and they're kind of sneering and mocking him and doing these different things as his teaching goes on. And this is the setting where certain parables that you're, you love to hear, that we all know and love and have heard many times before, the parable of the lost sheep is told where Jesus is basically responding to the, to the critique of the Pharisees, saying, this man eats with these sinners. And he says, yeah, of course it is, because God is after and redeeming those who are lost. And he tells a story of, of the lost sheep in this parable. Then he goes on, he tells a story of the woman looking for the lost coin in her house, and how there was much rejoicing when it was found. And then the story that we looked at last week, the story of what you could call the, oftentimes the prodigal son, the lavish father, the amazing grace, whatever you want to call this parable, it's amazing where this father takes back this wayward son who had just slapped him basically in the face, squandered all his wealth that was supposed to be allotted to him, but comes home and finds the father 
running towards him to welcome him. These stories all take place, and then right after that prodigal son's story, Jesus tells this story. Now, when you hear that prodigal son's story and all these different other stories, remember what's going on here. Jesus is the people that need to hear about God and come back to God and need to to be forgiven are coming and hearing Jesus and hearing the words that he's saying. And meanwhile, the people that are supposed to be very close to God, that are very doing everything holy and all these different things, are sitting there mocking the fact that Jesus is with these people that he's come to redeem. And so he tells this parable, and where the stories before kind of really focus on the lavishness of God looking out and reaching out to the people, this story starts to change, and the rest of the parables in this teaching starts to change to really not address so much the people that are looking for God, but the people that are critiquing and sneering and sitting there and coming down on Jesus and the people in that moment. And so you start getting this story of the shrewd manager and the teachings that happen after this. Well, as we saw read in the story, this, the story is pretty simple, right? There's this guy, he's a manager, doesn't do a good job, he's going to get fired. And so what does he do? He calls in everybody that owes money to his master and says, uh, hey, how much do you owe? Eh, let's just cut a deal. You pay this and I'll just consider it a, you know, a done deal and you'll be off the hook. And so he does this, he gets basically friends by doing this. And so when the master lets him, you know, finally fires him, learns what he's done, he says, well, I'll give you credit. You acted pretty shrewdly because you knew you were about to lose everything. And instead of losing everything, you actually used what you had and built up friendships that would actually last you when you lost your job. And so that's kind of the the parable in a nutshell. But when you look at it, it's really interesting because there's some things that we got to examine. Now, the first thing is this, is that when you look at it, it calls this person a manager at the beginning. But as he gets to the very end, when Jesus is summing up the parable, he actually calls him not just a manager, but an unrighteous manager. Now, in our language, it kind of gets mixed up. It just says dishonest, which is okay translation. But remember what's going on here. Jesus is hanging out with a bunch of unrighteous people, right? I mean, they're sitting there listening to his very words and hearing his words. And meanwhile, the the people that kind of dominate the place, the masters, if you will, the people that are doing all the right things and are pretty much the rich person, if you will, are sitting right there in the Pharisees. And so when Jesus makes a point to call this, this person unrighteous, He's not just referring to the deal of what this person has done, but he's also welcoming and and helping the people understand who they are in this parable with those that are sitting listening there. And so as he tells this parable, another interesting thing, and this is uh, something scholars always debate on, is when people come in and they ask, you know, and he tells them, hey, how much do you owe? And one goes, you know, hey, why owe a hundred, you know, a hundred of this, you know, a hundred gallons of oil, or 100, uh, sorry, not 100 gallons of oil, it was 100, uh, or 800 gallons of oil, that is. And the manager looks at him and says, hey, take your bill and make it 400. It's actually debated whether or not he's truly giving away the farm. And the debate on this is because uh, Jewish people were not allowed to charge other Jewish people um, interest. And so what ended up happening is, is, if you go back and look at like Leviticus or Deuteronomy, you find passages where it's specifically spelled out. You were not allowed to charge people interest, but there was a loophole <laughs> because if you didn't charge interest, but you simply charged up front the interest up front instead of the actual price, well, you weren't charging interest. You could get out of the letter of the law and basically charge more than what it was worth for the people that couldn't pay all up front. And so when they would actually finally pay you back, 
it was as if they were paying interest, but you agreed on an original price, basically, that had the interest built in. And so it was one of these loopholes that people were using in the day, and so it's debated whether or not the uh, manager in this, in this moment is actually just basically giving them the real price, right? He's basically saying all this interest that you weren't supposed to be charged, I'm taking it away and give me the real price. Or if he really truly is just being like, no, I'm just gonna waste my master's money even more so than I've done already, and I'm just gonna <laughs> use his money to buy myself friends. Uh, it's kind of debated there. But nonetheless, Jesus calls this man unrighteous, and nonetheless, the master in the parable looks at this servant who he's letting go and says, you have done shrewdly, absolutely shrewdly. Now, of course, in this story, who are the people that are unrighteous? It's the sinners, the tax collectors, the people coming and hearing Jesus. And when he tells them these words, he says, you know what? He says those words uh, at the very end of this parable. He says, you know, the master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. And he says this, for the people of this world are shrewd in dealing with their own kin than the people of the light. But I tell you, use your worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Now, there's a few things to unpack there. Is first of all, you know, the people that are unrighteous is basically Jesus is looking at them and saying, hey, you guys, the master's coming, and guess what? You're not going to add up to it, right? <laughs> like, you are unrighteous. Like, it is unquestionable. And you know what? Don't try to live up to all these other things because you have already blown it so much that you are toast, right? Use whatever you can and invest in whatever you can and what actually is going to save you. That's actually going to be eternal. That actually is going to last and in other words, basically this parable, hey, use what you have for the kingdom that I'm telling you to build. Invest everything you have, everything you are, into what I'm doing. And in fact, he says that ideal of that eternal dwelling places and friends, the friend that they want to gain, of course, is Christ on their side. And so he's telling them, you know, don't worry about pleasing this world. Worry about what I'm telling you to do. Make friends with me and do what I'm telling you to do. And likewise, those that are the masters, those that have done everything right and been cheated by the dishonest people, who got taxed by the tax collectors over to Rome, are sitting in that same place going, Jesus, you're making us mad. And Jesus is saying, don't try to appease them. Make friends with me. And this is not making the Pharisees very happy, as you can understand in this parable and what he's saying. And then he goes on and he says this, but he wants to remind them that you're still supposed to do good. Don't be evil like this person in the actual deal. I want you to do good. So he reminds them these words, right? Whoever is trusted with very little can be trusted with much. Whoever is dishonest with very little can, will, not, will also be dishonest with much. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling the worldly wealth, who will trust you? Get this, not with more worldly wealth. But he says, true riches. In other words, hey, sinners, look at your life. It's going down the drain. You can't save yourself. Use your wealth in the way that I'm telling you to use it. Use what you have. Gain friends with me, and you, if you were faithful with what I'm telling you to do, will gain true riches. And if you've not been trusted with someone else's property, who will give you a property of your own? And at this point, you know, the Pharisees are probably sitting there going, now wait a minute, Jesus. You're telling me these unrighteous people you're going to be patting them on the back a little bit and telling them to make friends. Like, what about the money I'm owed, man? Like, you know, like all these type of things. You know, they're probably getting mad and all these different stuff. 
And so Jesus starts harping on the end of that prodigal son. Remember the end of the prodigal son story. There's the other brother, right? And the other brother was so self-righteous that when his brother came home, he didn't even want to see him. While the father welcomed the brother in, the other brother just threw a pity party, walked outside and said, I'm not being part of this. And then he gets mad and the father even comes out to reach out to him and walks outside from the party, and, which is a big, huge thing as, a, as the person who's hosting the party to walk out and leave your party to go out and find someone who's you know, basically throwing a temper tantrum, if you will. And he goes out and he finds his son and his son, come back to the party, right? And the son's words are very telling, right? The son tells the father, while I was with you, you never even gave me so much as a little lamb to go and eat with my friends. And the father looks at him and says, I am always with you. I'm always with you, but our son has dead. Your brother was dead and he's home and he's alive. We have to celebrate this. Reminds us the heart of the father, but yet the story kind of continues on because as Jesus tells this other story of the shrewd manager, it's also kind of really not sitting well with the Pharisees, right? So why? The Pharisees are the older brother in this story, right, of the prodigal son, if you will, and now they're getting told that not only are they the older son who's sitting outside throwing a pity party for themselves, but now the people that are unrighteous are being told to not even do the right things, per se, and actually invest in something else besides what their system that helps them out. And so all of a sudden, Jesus turns and says this teaching. He says, no servant can serve two masters. Either they'll hate one and love the other, or they'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve, and out of the blue, he's going to strike the Pharisees, both God and money. And it says right there that the Pharisees who loved money heard all this and sneered at Jesus. And he said to them, you are the ones who justify yourselves. You are the prodigal son's older brother, or prodigal father's older brother. You are the one who is standing there, outside the party, missing what God is doing, and you've always been trying to do right by the father and do the right thing, but for the wrong reasons. And Jesus says, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of men, but God knows your hearts, and what is highly valued by a man is detestable, in God's sight. Jesus goes on and starts teaching more. There's more parables and more teachings, and he really kind of comes at them with a few things. One of them's divorce. One of them's the story of the, the rich man and Lazarus, and then he goes on to even talk about some other things as well, and he really is hitting them hard in this moment. But the challenge is, of course, when you read this parable, is who are you in the parable? And there's been sort of a dichotomy of when you come to this parable. Are you the wasted, shrewd manager who's been wasteful, who's dishonest and unrighteous? And you are up a creek, if you will, with no paddle to get down. <laughs> and you're in need. And Jesus is saying to you in this parable, hey, whatever else is important, whatever the world is telling you is important, ditch it, <laughs> right? Throw it away and claim and go and seek salvation here for eternity. Claim friendship. Do what I'm telling you. Put to work whatever you have in your life right here, right now, and put it towards God's kingdom and the things that I'm telling you to do. Make friends with me so you have eternal dwelling places. The stories and what he teaches through this parable is also true of those who are the Pharisees, of those whose lives is about being so holy that you don't touch those who come across us. 
that those who would be the sinners of the world, those who would be the people that no one wants to be around, that if we're not careful, we can do it all for the wrong reasons in serving Christ. And in fact, we can do it while our hearts love money, for instance, like the Pharisees did, but totally miss what God is doing. You know, it's such a blunder here in this moment. The Pharisees, if they truly knew God's heart and truly were learning God's heart, in this moment they would have saw the unrighteous people coming to Jesus and they would have said, Hallelujah! The people that have been unrighteous are coming back and hearing the news and their lives are being changed. Glory to God! Amen! But that wasn't their reaction, was it? And Jesus is going to come right at them with these scriptures and what keeps going on in this story of, hey, you righteous and self-righteous people, don't forget God's heart. In so much, in so many ways, we can always codify and make holy those things that truly aren't of God and truly are of something else. Now, of course, as Jesus points out in this very specific patches, uh, passage, you know, we have to talk just a little bit about the love of money because that's exactly what the Pharisees were dealing with. But, of course, that's not the only thing that we codify in our world. But I want to tell you something really exciting here to this morning is we had an offering just a few weeks ago, you remember, to go to Sierra Leone. Well, we had to matriculate that, do all sorts of things. But if everything went according to plan, either earlier this morning or in a couple hours or most likely even right now, there's a truck filled with big, huge bags of rice that's showing up in the village of Tayama. And the chief of the village has pulled all the people together, and they're going to be handing out these big bags of rice to all those who were affected by the fires. Right? Right? I mean, I, no, I, I have to talk. To, we got to talk to people over in time. I don't know the, the people over there to make sure all the, everything went as planned because there's a couple hurdles to that when you're having to move a lot of different things and rent trucks and do all sorts of stuff. But in theory, that was exactly right now what's supposed to be going on. Right? Think of the joy. I just look around. I'm seeing you smile, right? I mean, you can't help but, like, you guys are just smiling, right? I mean, there are people that were hungry that are being fed because we simply took an offering. And people that otherwise would not have food, they could not afford food, couldn't even go down, as we learned, down to the store and basically even buy food because there was so little food making it out to their village, are going to be fed right here and right now. That's what it means to use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself. And think about the meaning you're feeling right now the joy you're feeling right now, the love you're feeling right now, the goodness of God in that moment. And then think about, I won't say ourselves, but someone who's very prudish, who makes a lot of money, and has a nice big nest egg, but doesn't do anything with it besides care for themselves. And maybe that's someone in here, maybe it's not, but they're missing that joy, aren't they? <laughs> missing it. Absolutely missing it. And Jesus is sitting there looking at these Pharisees, and because they're powerful, he talks to them in powerful ways, but he is longing for them to come home too, because they need redemption as well. You know, as we think about these issues of money and power, you know, one of the things that 
I was told so much when I was growing up, and I even remember our teachers telling us this, is, hey, you know, when they always asked us, what do you want to be? And everybody was like, oh, we want to earn money. We want to be rich, you know. That was kind of always the answer as a kid, you know. And it was like, well, what do you want to do to do that? And it was like, I'm going to be like a ice cream server, you know. And it was like <laughs> just totally unrealistic expectations, right? And, uh, but I always remember, you know, there was always that teaching. Well, you know, there's more to life than making money. Even if what you do does make money, there's more to it than that. And yet, in so many ways, our world continues to lift up, continues to hold up, those who are rich as people who were wise, which isn't always true, as people who are good or have done good, which is very much not always true, are people who we should learn from, which is also very much, as we see in teachings of Jesus, not true, right? And are, that there are people that we should emulate. And I'm not saying that being rich in itself is bad. I'm just saying that the love of money and the craving of money and the desire to constantly put people on pedestals that are rich and famous is not of the kingdom of God. And Jesus is sitting there turning to those people that were unrighteous and saying, welcome. You guys enter in. Come on. Come by grace, by what I'm offering you here today. And to the rich and powerful and those wealthy Pharisees, he was saying, hey, you got it wrong. You're putting your faith and your trust and your whole selves in something detestable in God's sight. Instead, repent and come home, just like your unrighteous brothers and sisters, to God's heart. Let us pray. God, as we're here today, we thank you so much for your word. And God, you've called us to use all those means that we have. To understand, Lord, that just like this parable, that if we try to continue to make up and fix ourselves, or if we can try to be like that dishonest manager who literally can't make up his, uh, his debts, if we try to do that on our own power, God, we're just futilely wasting our time, and destruction is already upon us. But God, if we look at our lives and we understand that you are our hope, and then if we divest ourselves from this world and we invest ourselves in all who we are into you, that God, you not only forgive us, but God, you grant such blessings that are full of joy that bring joy to not only the Father's heart, but to our heart as well. And God, we humbly thank you for helping us be stewards, Lord, that provided food for people across the world. That's such a joy. And I'm so happy to report that here today. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.